Hey there, Agility friend. If you've listened to a few of my podcast episodes, you know that I'm a huge fan of something called growth mindset. You can have access to the best instruction in the world, and you can have the best dog in the world and the best skills in the world. But if you don't have a solid mindset and approach to the challenges that sport and life are going to toss your way, you're not going to be able to really make the most of all of those bests that you have, you know, best instruction, best dog, best skills, all that stuff. I'm so passionate about the importance of our mindset when it comes to dog agility and really everything in life that I've written an ebook about growth versus fixed mindset, what the hallmarks of those two mindsets are, and how one can really propel you along your agility journey, and one may really be holding you back, maybe without you even being aware of it. That ebook is not for sale anywhere, but it is available for free to subscribers of my email list. So if you're curious about what a growth mindset is, what a fixed mindset is, and how to ensure that you've got the right mindset for making the most of your dog agility training and handling journey, head to podcast.theagilitychallenge.com and scroll down till you see the link to subscribe to my email list and get that ebook. It's totally free and it's a game changer. Check it out today at podcast.theagilitychallenge.com. This is the Agility Challenge Podcast with Daisy Peel. You're listening to Episode 7. Welcome to the Agility Challenge Podcast. I'm your host, Daisy Peel. Join me as I talk about everything related to the mental side of the sport of dog agility. If you've ever felt overwhelmed by negative self-talk or lack of confidence, or if your dog training to-do list seems so long that you don't even know where to get started, then this podcast is for you. For more podcast episodes, training content, and coaching from me, head to www.theagilitychallenge.com where members get access to monthly training and handling challenges in addition to league play and a whole lot more. Let's dive in with today's episode. Welcome to episode seven of the podcast. Today, I'm going to talk about something that comes up all the time at seminars that I'm teaching, in private lessons that I teach, and it's something that I hear at competitions all the time. And it's something that even I'm a little bit hesitant to talk about, but I'm going to dive right in. And that is fear. So I hear a lot of, I'm afraid, that scares me, and oh, I could never do that, that's terrifying. This is a very common thing that comes up, and We don't talk too much about it, but we do speak those words a lot. And we just kind of assume that it's a given. So things like, I'm afraid to do a blind cross, so I just won't. I'm afraid I'll send my dog off course, so I end up hanging back. I'm afraid I won't be competitive, so I just won't go. I'm afraid I won't be good, so I won't try. Now, some of these things we don't say out loud, but a lot of the time, We are saying some of it out loud, like I'm afraid to do, someone says, why don't you just do a blind cross there? Well, I'm just, I'm afraid. No way I'm afraid. But we use being afraid or fearful as a valid reason to just not do something. And fear is not a valid reason for not doing something. It's not a valid reason to not take action. Most fear, not all fear, but most fear is a mental mismanagement. So we talk a lot about mental management and mentally, you know, managing your mental game. Most fear 
is a mental mismanagement. So I'm not going to talk to you today about how to eliminate fear because I don't think that it's possible and I don't think it's an appropriate use of our mental energy because you're never going to eliminate fear. You need fear and you also need to recognize when fear is irrational and most of the time our fears are irrational. Fear of failure is huge. And I talked about fear of failure back in episodes five and six. So go back and have a listen to those. It was a two-part series on failure and fear of failure and failure are wrapped up pretty tightly. And you're going to hear a lot of pretty similar lines of thought in this particular episode where we tackle fear directly. And it's totally fine to have fear. It's fine to feel fear. It's fine to experience fear. But what we want to be careful of is to not use fear as an excuse to not go out into the ring and do the work, I put that in quotes, the real life work that needs doing. We don't want to use fear as an excuse to go out into the world and not do the work in the world that needs doing. We don't want to use fear as an excuse to avoid going out into the ring and doing the work that needs doing. We don't want to use fear as an excuse to not go out and train. We just don't want to use fear as an excuse for inaction. It's totally fine to have fear. You're going to be afraid of doing things, especially new things that you've never done before, but you're just going to do them anyways. That's kind of what this is all about. So what I want to talk about today is what exactly does fear feel like? What is it that we really are afraid of? And how do we get to the point where We have fear. We're not fearless. We have fear, but we just go on anyway. Now, some of your solutions are going to be pretty personal. I'm going to ask you guys to do some thought dumps and think about fear and what fear feels like, but that's a little bit later in this episode. I just want to talk to you about how do we get to the point where we have the courage. I talked about confidence versus courage before, how we have the, where we have the courage to go out and take action, even though we have fear. We're afraid. We're feeling afraid. So it's important to recognize fear doesn't mean things have gone wrong. Fear means that you're a normal human being who's wired to survive. Fear has kept the human race alive for a long, long time. Not too long ago, fear kept you from being eaten by things that were chasing you for lunch. Fear keeps you from crossing a busy street without looking both ways. Fear keeps you from driving at night without your headlights on. So fear serves you in a lot of very real ways. It's a part of your life. Irrational fear is also a part of your life, and it's a bigger part of most of our lives than rational fear. Irrational fear is definitely a part of most people's dog training and handling and competing. And again, most of those fears are not rational in the sense that it's not real life and death. You're not being chased by a bear or a tiger or a lion. You're going to survive. So back in episode five, I talked about having confidence versus courage. If you haven't listened to episode five, head back to the show page for that at podcast.theagilitychallenge.com forward slash five, or just check out episode five in Apple podcasts. I talked about having confidence versus courage. And what I talked about basically was 
It's not normal to feel confident before achieving something. So it's totally normal if you're going to try a move that you haven't tried before, or like me, I have two young dogs that I'm running. I don't know how they're going to respond to most of the things I do on course because there are a lot of firsts happening. Um, we go into the ring on a particular course and they it's the first time they've seen a situation maybe, and it's the first time I've seen that situation with them. So I don't have any confidence, but that doesn't keep me from action. I have courage and I, I have the courage to try something and learn from it, but confidence doesn't really need to play a role in that. I can be confident after the fact, but confidence prior to tackling something that you've never tried before is not necessary and it's not even really rational. It doesn't make sense. Why would you be confident? You've never done it before. You can't predict the outcome. Courage is what's needed. Likewise, you don't have to be fearless before taking action or trying a handling strategy that you've never tried or going to a big competition you've never been to before. Maybe some of you are prepping to go to AKC Nationals. I'm prepping to go to a big competition in another state that I've never been to before. You don't have to be fearless before heading out the door to that big competition. You can have zero confidence and have fear and still take action. You don't go run the course trying to ignore the fear or trying to focus on, oh man, I just have no confidence. How am I going to get through this? You just take the fear and you put it in a little backpack. Just visualize taking that fear, put it in a little mental backpack, put that backpack on your back, and then you go do your thing with the fear in your backpack and with courage in the backpack. You don't have to have any confidence in that backpack. You just put it on your back and run with it and strategize with it. And you take action while you're carrying that fear and the courage in your backpack, no confidence, and that can be very empowering. Taking action while carrying fear and courage, but maybe no confidence and no sense of fearlessness in that backpack can be very empowering because once you've come out the other side of it and realized you didn't die, you learned something and you got a massive shot of adrenaline, that's pretty cool. It's, it's really empowering. And I bet if you think about it, you can think about a situation where you maybe had a section of a course that you weren't sure about, you had no confidence, you were fearful, and you accomplished it. You maybe didn't have a clean run. Maybe the rest of the run was a complete disaster. But that one part that you were afraid of, you got. And just that, just having gotten that one part, overcoming that fear with no confidence, gave you some confidence and was empowering. And you could look back and say, oh my gosh, the run, the rest of the run was maybe a complete disaster. But that part, I totally nailed that part. And you feel pride and excitement about it. And even maybe look forward to the opportunity to try it again. So I've talked before about how objective circumstances like a course that you're looking at, maybe a course map, uh, you're getting ready to walk it. And it could be at a competition or a seminar or a class. Maybe it's just a map that you're looking at online even. And that's the objective circumstance. And that objective circumstance triggers thoughts in your mind. And those thoughts almost immediately trigger emotions about those thoughts and circumstances. There's just hardly any daylight between those thoughts and the emotions that immediately follow. And those emotions drive us 
to actions that we take or don't take, because inaction is also a type of action. And those actions yield results that serve as evidence or proof of the validity of our original thoughts. So we think a thought and it gets an emotion going. And in this case, because we're talking about fear, we think a thought and we feel fear. Most of the time, not all, but most of the time, we just made that fear by thinking it into existence. It's irrational fear that a lot of the time we don't even need to experience. So we we see this we see this course map, and we someone says, "Oh, you should do a blind cross there," and we immediately have thoughts about the blind cross that's been suggested to us, which triggers emotions, and we the emotion is fear, and then that leads to action or inaction. And and a lot of the time, maybe the action is, well, I could never, I could never make it there. So I'm just going to walk a rear cross. I'm going to do a rear cross. Or we try the blind cross and something happens to make the blind cross fail. Um, Typically what happens is uh, we go for a blind cross that we're afraid we're not going to make it for. And we slow down partway through the blind cross. Of course, we don't make it because we slowed down. And then we turn immediately to somebody as we come out of the ring. I knew I couldn't make that blind cross happen. So we thought we couldn't do the blind cross. We were afraid we couldn't do the blind cross. We slowed down halfway through the blind cross and didn't make it. And that result validated our original thoughts about not being able to make a blind cross. I'm going to come back to that. The blind cross is a pretty good example because it does make a lot of people feel a little afraid that they're not going to make it. Now, not all fear, of course, is irrational. Um, and not all fear can just be thought away. So there are times when something happens and it happens in a way that your fight or flight response gets engaged. So something sudden happens, somebody jumps out at you from behind a bush and your lizard brain responds before you even have a chance to have a thought about it. So, um, maybe you're walking around at a show and it's pretty quiet And all of a sudden, a dog just lunges out at you from its crate or lunges at you from inside an X pen or maybe even on a leash. Or maybe you're going for a jog in your neighborhood and a dog just runs at you, snarling and barking from the front porch of a random house or something. And in that case, your fight or flight response is instantly activated and your lizard brain just says, run. Or maybe it says, stop. Now, in all my examples, let's say there's a fence or or leash or a line or whatever. So really, you're totally safe, but your adrenaline is pumping. And that's totally fine because you're wired to respond that way. And it's a safety mechanism. It, it keeps you from getting eaten by a bear for lunch. But that kind of fear, that flight or fight, flight or fight response, that's not what I'm talking about today. What I'm talking about is the fear that we create with the thoughts. And we can absolutely create an adrenaline response in our body by thinking really fearful thoughts. But that's not the same as a sudden external stimulus that makes your brain just go into fight or flight mode. So I'm talking about the fear and the fear responses that we create in our body with the thoughts that we generate about an objective circumstance. So again, I'm talking about fear that you generate by thinking thoughts that then cause you to feel fear and then take action or not based on that fear. So again, I'll use my blind cross example. So 
there's a blind cross that you you know, maybe it's even the case that you're looking at this course and you know that in order to get where you're going next, you are going to have to do a blind. You're going to have to run hard and do a blind cross. You're, you know you're really going to have to run hard to make it. You're afraid you're not going to make it. <clears throat> or you just you just feel fear. You haven't you don't even really think it through. You just there's this blind cross that you're going to have to do and you're afraid. So you you attempt the blind cross, but at the last second you slow down and that's the action that is a result of the fear. And then you don't make the blind cross and then you crash and then you say, "See, I knew I wouldn't make it. I knew I was too slow." Really, you weren't too slow. You actually slowed down because you were afraid. And your thoughts created fear that caused you to act in a way that produced results that validated your thoughts. So that's what I'm talking about in this episode. Fear can be useful when it comes to agility. It, it can get some adrenaline going. It For me, fear can get me up on my toes. I can run a little faster. I can run a little further. It, I can make it to places that I would never make it to if I wasn't a little fearful or anxious or or you know ready to do battle or however you want to describe it. When you take action despite fear and you see that things weren't as catastrophic as you imagined them, it's really powerful. And I mean, run as fast as you can, even if you're afraid you won't make it. So you're listening to this and you're probably thinking, yeah, but Daisy, what if my knees get blown out? Okay, well, set up a situation where you make it such that the consequence of failure is not a collision but an off course or something, or have a coach or a helper or somebody who knows your physical abilities help assess whether or not your fear is justified. And here's what I mean by that. As a coach, I'm a pretty good assessor of whether somebody can make it somewhere or not. And I don't have to have worked for, with them for that long to see this. Usually when somebody presents in front of you, a handler and their dog, I can usually tell pretty quickly if fear is holding them back or if actual physical ability is holding them back. So I can see if they're going to go slow because they're afraid or because of a real lack of mobility. Most instructors and seminar presenters are pretty good at this because we see it all the time. We're constantly assessing whether or not are we putting a handler in danger by asking them to try a handling move that they came to learn and are afraid to try. So this is kind of like something called exposure therapy where People who have irrational fears about things like spiders or snakes can be exposed to them in a safe environment so that their brains can start to form new associations that aren't fear or panic inducing. And the kind of exposure therapy that we have to do is a lot easier because most of us don't have full blown panic to the level of a phobia about something like a blind cross. Most of us, <clears throat> excuse me, most of us are not running into a corner and curling our bodies up into a little ball and rocking back and forth when somebody says blind cross or you need to get to a specific spot on course. So a panic inducing fear of spiders and the typical competitor saying, I'm afraid I can't get there. So I'm going to stick to a rear cross are very different. So you, if you're not sure you can make it somewhere, if there's a situation that you are really fearful of and maybe you have had some physical injury because of trying something before, then you need to enlist the help of somebody who can help set those situations up so that you can try and fail 
safely and start to make some new um, associations in your mind. So in the example of the blind cross, again, most of the time people fail with blind crosses because they slow down partway through because they can't see the dog and they're afraid they're not going to make it. So they feel blind and they slow down, which is if if you're walking down the sidewalk and you close your eyes, you will immediately slow down because you're blind to the situation. So usually it's not that the handler is too slow. It's that they slow down because they were concerned or afraid about what was going to happen. And so if you have someone like a coach or an instructor helping you, you know, maybe they're yelling at you, run, 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 run. You can make it. You can make it. You can make it. You're going to make it or stop if you're not going to make it. Then that sort of situation can help you work through. Oh, I could totally make it. I only was going slow because I was afraid. I slowed down. Not that I was going slow. I slowed down. And then you learn, oh, okay, I I know how to, I know how to do a blind cross. I know I can make it even if I'm afraid, even if I'm feeling fearful that I'm not going to make it. If I run, I keep running fast, I will make it. And you can start to parse out what exactly are the variables that cause you to succeed or fail at a blind cross instead of just, oh, I'm too slow. I I just, I just, mm -mm, that scares me. I just can't do it. So. Another thing that we tend to be afraid of, and this goes along with the last two episodes where I talked about failure, is that we tend to be afraid of putting ourselves out there, out there in quotes, and being seen in a certain way. On social media, we can control how we're seen, or at least we feel like we can control how we're seen. And in the real world, we can't. And so we can be really afraid to just show up because of how we think people will see and judge us. But we have to think that through. That's an irrational fear. What's the worst that could happen? So what if people laugh at you? If that's your fear that people are going to laugh at you, so what? It's not life or death. You're not in harm's way. You're not going to die. And also, people might laugh at you. Probably not. This really just doesn't happen. Most of us are, most people are so self-absorbed. They can't even, they're so busy freaking out about their own run that they don't even know what happened in your run. Most people are there for you and they're there with you and they might laugh with you, but not at you. And honestly, if people do laugh at you, we're just going to, we'll just skip over those people and focus on us. <laughs> so what you're typically afraid of is pretty irrational. It has nothing to do with life or death. And we're not really afraid of life or death. We know that thinking about this, we're not, I'm not afraid of life or death in these situations. What we're afraid of a lot of the time, if we sit and think about it, is shame and humiliation. Maybe we're afraid of physical injury. And again, let's think about my example that I gave with the blind cross and and a little bit of exposure therapy there. Most of us are afraid of shame and humiliation, the perception that we're going to encounter shame and humiliation. But taking action in the face of that fear is a thing that you can learn to do. It's a mental mechanical skill, just like learning how to click with better timing, just like learning how to cue your dog with better timing. It's a mechanical skill that you can improve with practice. Most people just stop what they're doing when they have a knee-jerk fear reaction. Um, With real danger, fear makes you run or stop and you don't do it again, and that's useful. But when there's not real danger... You have to stop and think what the worst that can happen is going to be, because if if irrational fear stops you dead in your tracks, it's going to be really tough to make progress. And if that fear is of humiliation, fear of being seen a certain way, that is not real danger. If it's fear of physical 
harm, then you can take action and get some guidance to expose yourself safely so you can work around it. But taking action with that irrational fear in that mental backpack that I talked about is key. Because again, eliminating fear or anxiety or nervousness is never going to happen unless you stop taking any action. So if you're always just treading water and static, then sure, you'll never experience fear or anxiety or nervousness, but you're also not going to ever make any progress. So if you're going to take action, you're going to have to put those emotions in that little backpack and carry them around with you on your back. And you're going to realize that it was not so bad after all. You're going to get stronger and that backpack's not going to weigh so much. You're going to realize it wasn't so bad. You're going to realize that you can execute even if you're feeling nervous or fearful or completely devoid of any confidence. You, you really don't need any of that to be absent or present. It's completely irrelevant to your ability to execute on, on a course. And once you realize that, it's incredibly empowering to just go out there and you know you can take action. You can run a course. You can enter into a situation and execute even if you feel fear. Now, here's another thing that I want you to think about. You might not even be feeling fear. A lot of us don't even actually feel afraid when we say, oh, I couldn't do that. I'll I'll never make it. Could you, and here's your first homework assignment. Could you write down what it feels like to feel fear? Most people don't actually feel fear in these situations. They just feel resistance to feeling fear, which is kind of a weird thing to consider. But think about that. You're not actually feeling afraid of doing a blind cross. You're just resisting entering into a space where you might feel that fear, like the middle of the blind cross where you're blind to your dog and, and panicking a little bit. So for me, some of the physical manifestations of fear would be increased heart rate. I feel like I have to go to the bathroom, even if I just went 10 times. My muscles get tense. My skin tingles. When I talk, I feel like my voice is really high up in my throat. And really, that's not that bad. Once I describe those things, some of those things I need to do well on course, I need an increased heart rate. I need my muscles to tense up and prepare for action. And it's not a terrible feeling for my skin to be kind of tingly. Most of us are resistant to feeling fear without ever having taken the time to stop and think about what feeling fear, what fear really feels like. We back away from it so quickly that we don't even really ever experience it. We just don't want to be in a position where we might really feel fear. And then we back away and we engage in numbing behaviors like scrolling social media, snacking, drinking alcohol. We back away and we avoid going to competitions. We just train, 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 train. We make excuses for why we don't want to do this or that. And we just stay in a situation of inaction. And remember, I also mentioned in a previous podcast episode that if you engage in those numbing behaviors to avoid the lows, you'll also numb yourself to the highs. And then you're just kind of numb to everything. And every experience is just, a, oh, okay. So here is something I want you to try. The next time that you think you're afraid of something, ask yourself, am I really feeling fear? And just stay there with it for a moment. Am I feeling fear or am I feeling resistance to fear? If you're feeling fear or resistance to fear, take a few minutes and pull out the notes app on your phone or scribble on a piece of paper or whatever, what you're actually physically feeling at that moment. And think about, is this really that bad? Describe it. And if you're feeling courageous, leave a comment in the show notes, either at podcast.theagilitychallenge.com forward slash seven, 
or if you're an Agility Challenge member, head to theagilitychallenge.com and leave a comment. What does it feel like physically when you experience fear? What does it feel like when you allow yourself to experience it instead of spending mental effort fighting it? And are you afraid or are you just afraid to feel fear? So a lot of us don't feel fear of fear. We we don't just feel fear of fear, the feeling. We also fear pain. We fear the pain of physical injury. Um, like, for example, I had some lab work done the other day and I saw the lady grab the needle and I couldn't even look. I had to turn away. I just thought, oh, my God, oh, my God, oh, my God, oh, my God, it's going to hurt. And I like actually dig in on my other hand. I like dig. Maybe if I dig in with my fingers to my skin, I won't notice the pain of the needle because I'm digging into my skin. This is going to hurt so bad. And then beep, boop, just a tiny little prick. And then the needle is done. And the freak out was way worse than the actual pain. And a lot of the time, the fear of feeling fear is it's like that. It's way worse than actually feeling the fear. So go back again, go back and describe fear and look at that description. Is it really that bad? Now, that's assignment number one. Assignment number two is grab a piece of paper or your notes app on your phone and at the top, put this at the top for your title. What am I afraid of? So write that down or, or dictate it at the top. And then fill that paper up. Do a, a thought dump about it. Are you afraid you'll get hurt? Are you afraid your dog will get re-injured or injured? Are you afraid people will laugh at you? Are you afraid you won't run clean? Are you afraid you'll let your dog down? Are you afraid you'll be judged in some way? Are you afraid you'll become obsolete if you've experienced some previous success? And look at what are these thoughts that create fear? And what are you really afraid of when it comes to these thoughts? Are some of these thoughts legitimate? like the fear of being physically injured? And are some of them less valid? Are some of these thoughts keeping you from action that would lead to results that would diminish that fear anyway? And are some of these fears, especially the more irrational ones, keeping you from showing up, whether it's with your training or your handling? So, so what if I show up and I try some handling on a course and I totally fail in a really public way? Why is that scary for us? It's only scary because of what I might make it mean. And if you're an instructor or a coach, you know what I'm talking about here. There's a fear that if you fail in public, nobody will come to you as an instructor. You'll be exposed as a fraud. If you've achieved some success in the past, maybe with a previous dog or maybe even your current competition dog, there may be a similar fear. You won't succeed again like you did before. You don't want to expose yourself to that risk. You'll be exposed as a fraud. And so you're not, you're just not going to try anything that might expose you. And of course, these are thoughts. And of course, other people have the right to respond to your failure, you know, to what they see in whatever way they want. You can't control that, but you can control your thoughts. You can investigate them. You can question them and you can investigate your emotional responses to those thoughts. Now consider this. Some people really love feeling fear. And maybe in another context, you actually love feeling fear. Maybe you're a roller coaster junkie or you really love scary movies. And some of us also love creating fear in others, like jumping out at people to scare them. It's important to remember that fear involves adrenaline and adrenaline can be a lot of fun. So I want you to take some time to think about fear, what it really feels like, and whether or not you're avoiding moving forward with something because you're afraid of fear. I think one of the coolest 
feelings is overcoming fear. Tackling something when you're carrying fear with you in that mental backpack and overcoming it is just, it's a really cool feeling. And there's just so much good stuff on the other side of fear. So put yourself out there, talk to the right people, do the things that would put you in that space where you can overcome fear, not eliminate it, but overcome it and get stronger carrying it in that backpack so that it never goes away. And it might not even ever diminish, but you get stronger and more capable of carrying it. So it doesn't feel like it's weighing you down quite the same. Now, if you're listening and thinking, I'm not afraid. Daisy, fear is not holding me back. This is nonsense. I'm just not sure. I haven't decided yet to do this or that thing. This is confusion and indecision. And I talked about this in a previous episode, episode four. So go check that out. Confusion can be what I call an indulgent emotion. It's one that we can use as an excuse for inaction. So you have to be really careful with this one. Confusion can be used as an excuse to not move toward or through fear. And again, you can't avoid fear. You can't go around it. You can't go under it. You have to go through it. And if you're confused, you're not going through it. You're not going through fear. If you're afraid to make a decision, especially if you're afraid to make the wrong decision, you have to move through that. You might make a wrong decision, but you have to make a decision so that you can learn from it. The cool thing today in our day and age is that most of the fear that we experience, and certainly most of the fear we experience in the context of dog sports, is unnecessary irrational and can be overcome. So remember, when you've got that voice that's telling you you're going to die, you're not going to die. This fear is something that you created with your thoughts. So embrace it. And here's another thing that's important to remember. When you see somebody out there putting themselves out there, you have to remember that nobody is 100% fearless. That person that you're watching, top competitor, international competitor, whatever, They might look fearless, but you don't know what their internal experience is. They might be completely panicked inside, but they might just be better at carrying that mental backpack with their fear and their anxiety and their lack of confidence. They might just have a big dose of courage in that backpack. And it's important to remember that successful handlers feel fear. Successful trainers feel fear. Those at the top experience fear. They're just not using it as a reason to avoid taking action on something. So sit down, make that list of what you're afraid of, do that thought dump, and also write out what fear really feels like to you. And then think about what it would be like to just pack that fear in a backpack with a little courage, shoulder that mental backpack, and then walk straight towards something that you've been avoiding for fear of feeling fear. Then head to the page for this podcast episode. It's episode seven. So podcast.theagilitychallenge.com forward slash seven and leave a comment. Tell me what fear feels like for you. And what did you write down that you're afraid of that you realize is probably pretty irrational or that you could overcome with some help from somebody who could safely expose you to those things that you're afraid of, you know, in a safe way so that you can really dig into it. Now, if you're an Agility Challenge member, you have access to this podcast as a video log. And I get a little bit more involved with discussion with Agility Challenge members, although I love to hear from everybody who's listening to the podcast. So if you're an Agility Challenge member, please join the conversation at www.theagilitychallenge.com. I really want to talk to you about what fear feels like, 
let's talk about what's in that mental backpack that you go into the ring with. Is there confidence? Is there courage? Is there fear? Um, what really needs to be in that backpack for you to be successful? Does it really matter? And can you be successful regardless of what's in that mental backpack? So that's it for now. Until next time, I want you to think about and put on that backpack. Be afraid, but do it anyways, whatever it happens to be. If you enjoyed today's podcast and you've got somebody in mind who you're pretty sure could benefit from discussing the things we talked about today, head to the webpage for today's episode, podcast.theagilitychallenge.com forward slash seven and scroll to the bottom. You'll see a section that says share the love that has some instructions and links for how to subscribe to and share this podcast and also how to leave a rating and review in Apple Podcasts. I'm a pretty tech savvy person, but even for me, it was a little tricky. So I've included a how to link for you at the bottom of the page. So go ahead and head on over to podcast.theagilitychallenge.com forward slash seven, subscribe to the podcast, leave a review and share it with a friend. Also, you can leave a comment below the episode and let me know your thoughts about what we discussed today. I'd love to hear from you and maybe discuss your thoughts on a future episode. Thanks for joining me on the Agility Challenge podcast with Daisy Peel. If you'd like to take your agility training, handling, and mental game to the next level, check out that ebook that I mentioned at the top of the episode. You can get it for free at podcast.theagilitychallenge.com. It's not for sale anywhere, and it's only available to subscribers of my email list. Getting on board with the right mindset when it comes to your dog agility handling and training challenges is a game changer. So make sure you check it out.